Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If somebody had told me in order to come to God, you got to never, no more sex and no more drinking, I would have never came. Right? You know how I come I came to God? Because someone said, if you die like you are, you're going to go to hell. But God will forgive you for it all right now if you come to Him. And I came and I got forgiven. But when I got forgiven, I also received the Holy Spirit. Amen? It was the Holy Spirit who began to work in my heart to say, you shouldn't be living with her. And you shouldn't be sleeping with her. And you shouldn't be drinking that. Being a follower of God isn't always fun. Sometimes following God means being the boring person at the party, not drinking like everyone else, not having sex outside of marriage, not doing everything that the world says is okay to do. In reality, all of the fun that you're missing out on really isn't that great. In today's message, Pastor Bill is going to remind you that sin is temporary, but God is eternal. Saying no to sin is hard in the moment, but you will be thankful when you get to rejoice in heaven. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 22 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Outside are dogs, sorcerers, then it says plainly, sexually immoral. The Greek word is pornos, where we get our English word pornography. Again, under the definitions here, it's one who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse, fornication, also prostitution, someone that prostitutes their body, lust for hire. Any Here's the thing with, with sexual sin. Any, any sex that's outside of your marriage is, is going to be illicit, right? If you're not a married, if you're a married person, if you're married, who can you have sex with? Yeah, no, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, <laughs> let me think. If you're married, you can have sex with the person you married. Amen? amen. Say amen if you're married. Say it like it, like it, all right? So if you're married, you can have sex with the person you're married. And you should be having sex with the person you're married to. I just want to throw that out there, all right? If you're married, that's, that's, that's where it's supposed to go down. As regular as y'all can make it happen, right? Now, if you are unmarried, is there any situation where an unmarried person should be having any kind of sex with any? No, none at all. <laughs> no sex for the unmarried whatsoever. Then, if you guys are doing the Bible reading, we got in the last week, we were covering 1 Corinthians 7. And it says, if you're burning with passion, what should you do? You get married, right? Better to marry than to burn. So, so my encouragement to my single brothers and sisters, God loves you. He loves you. And if, if that's a challenge and you can start praying that God would give you victory over the flesh and in, in his timing that he would show you who he has for you. But we don't want to because we live in a world that is blatantly sexually just illicit. The, the, our world does whatever they want to do with their bodies. We got to be careful that we live in this world, that we don't follow suit, that we don't do what we see done in, in the world in which we live. And so our, our world is very, you know, again, it does whatever it wants to do. People lay with who they want. You can't take that and live that way and think that it's going to be okay with God who has explicitly told us you can't live like that and expect to make it into heaven. So he tells us that plainly. So any sexual immorality, this would encompass homosexuality. This is wrong on a whole nother level. So any, any sort of sexual engagement that's Outside of what God prescribed, God prescribed sex for a husband and wife, male and female in the confines of marriage. It is blessed, commanded, encouraged, 
everywhere else it is forbidden and condemned. So moving on. So that's the sexually immoral. Next it says murders. The, the definition here is those who commit intentional homicide. So folk out there killing people. If you're a murderer, can a murderer be forgiven? Yes. Yeah. But if you are an unrepentant murderer, you're going to be outside. So someone that's you know, intentional homicide. This is not. We had a discussion yesterday. The difference between killing and murder. There is a distinction. Murder is is really something out of my heart. Murder is I hate you. I'm I'm taking something from you. I'm I'm, I'm it's it's born out of something in my heart to you. Now, if someone breaks in your house and coming to do harm to your family, and in the process of protecting your family, you kill them, you have not murdered. That is killing is different than murder. If a police officer in the line of duty in a legitimate situation to save life kills someone, that is not murder. But if your heart is full of hatred or some kind of animosity and you kill someone or you shoot them or you, you take their life away, then you, you've murdered them. It says no murderer is going to inherit the kingdom. Again, everything on this list is forgivable. But if you go on in your sin thinking that I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm going to be, I'm going to live a sexual moral life. I'm going to continue in my drugs. I'm going to continue to, God says that you're going to be outside. And, and he's letting us know. Then he says, idolaters. This is a worshiper of false gods or is a covetous man, a worshiper of mammon. So an idolater is someone that idolatry is putting something before God, where God should be on the throne of our hearts, worship above everything else. If you put something above God and you worship it, here, here's the best way you identify idolatry. If there's something that you love so much, you will sin against God to have it, keep it. That's an idol for you. Right. We're not we're not coming from the day where we're putting up images and idols that we look at. But people put up idols and images in different ways. If there's something in your life that you would elevate above God, that you would say, I love that so much that I will willingly sin against God to have it, to keep it, to maintain it. That's an idol. Um, God says, if you live like that, if you maintain that, if you keep that idol, um, that's idolatry. No idolater is going to make it. That's got to come to whatever that is. If there's something there in your life that's that's reigning over and above the Lord, you got to tear that down and put that in its place. No idolater will inherit the kingdom. Then the last thing, which encompasses a lot, it says whoever loves and practices a lie. Every false religion, every false belief, every false practice, everything that's something different than coming to Jesus, whoever loves and practices a lie. So if I've had people ask, well, what about, you know, your Jehovah's Witness, your Mormon? They, they're so sincere. Won't God like honor their sincerity? No, he won't. God won't honor your sincerity. They're, they're, it doesn't matter how sincere you are if you're wrong with what you believe. Amen. If, if you believe, if you if you love and practice a lie. So for the person that says, I got my own form of spirituality. You know, I love God. God knows who I am. I got my own thing with God and I don't need church. I don't, they don't need the Bible. I, I got my own thing. That's they, they, that person practices. That's practicing a lie. Right. They're making up it as they go. They're making up their own religion as they go. God said, look, if you love and practice a lie, you're not going to make it. It's one way to get to heaven. And it's through the person of who? And I want y'all to know that. I want y'all to know that. Like, I mean, I want you to know that like you. I'm, I, I, I say there are things I want to know. I know that I'm black. Amen. Y'all see that? Right? I'm black. I, I need to know I'm saved like I know I'm black. I need to know. There's some things I need to know without a shadow of a doubt. There's there's no question about this. Y'all need to know that there's one way. It's through Jesus. There'll never be another way. Any other way offered is a false way. And that's the way we point everybody is to Jesus Christ. Amen. All of these were left outside. Now, I, I, I was thinking of just this analogy, right? If, if you ever seen a, a large boat, 
I've seen a, a video where a large boat was, it was on fire in the middle of the ocean. So the boat's going to burn up and sink. And so they have like the little boats on the side where people can jump in real quick. The emergency rafts, little boats that people are jumping in. Now, those who get off the boat onto the little rafts and get away are, are maybe going to make it. But everybody on the boat that's burning, unless they get rescued, they're going to that thing. They're going to burn with the boat. That that's when I look at the, the the context here. Everybody that's left outside, there's no hope for them. Then, right in the future, if you if you end up in the future outside, there's no hope for you. You're going to burn. And so it's so important that we take advantage of what God has put before us today. God has said, "Look, I've revealed these things in the future." Right. What does this tell me? Because this book is unveiling Jesus. This book tells me that Jesus wants men and women to be saved. He's not hoping that you don't make it. He's not hoping that you stay lost. He's hoping that you will hear and respond and be saved. That's what he really wants for everyone that will hear his voice, that they would they would respond. They would come to him. Let's move on now. Look at verse 16. Jesus speaking. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. These are messianic titles of Jesus. And he's just letting us know, look, I have sent my angel. Angels throughout the scriptures are messengers. They're sent forth to, they, they do God's work. They battle in the unseen realm. But oftentimes God use angels as messengers, right? Go tell this person that. How many of you guys tell your kids, you send your kids, hey, go tell your dad. And you, you make, make them run down the hall to go tell somebody something or whatever, you know. Jesus uses angels in that way. And as you look through scripture, you can see some difficult scenarios where it was probably helpful that God sent an angel, right? When, when Mary was found out she was pregnant, but it wasn't from Joseph, and then she had to go tell Joseph, hey, bro, this is crazy what happened. Let me, this is, is going to blow your mind, Joe. You know, was, the Lord showed up in my dream, told me that Holy Spirit just came on the top and, and I'm, I'm pregnant. You know, it's just, it's, I didn't, I'm still a virgin, though. You know, an angel had to come behind and say, hey, this, I would need angelic confirmation, too. So, you know, and no shade on Joe. So angel came with that message. Right. God uses angels to bring these messages at, at critical times. He said, I sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I want the churches to know this. I want that's why he said that there's a special blessing. I believe you'd be blessed if you read the whole Bible. But Revelation is the only book in the Bible that God said, look, I, there's a special blessing for those that read it, hear it and keep the, the words that are written in this book. Here he says, I, I sent my angel to give you guys these messages. I wanted to be testified in the churches. And he says this, I am the root of David. As far as Christ's deity, he's David's creator, but as far as his his humanity, he's David's descendant. This is the amazing thing. God is God created David, yet you know he came through the seed of David. He did both because he's eternally existing, but he also came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. He says he's the bright and the morning star. Uh, the morning star appears in the sky before the sun rises. And Christ will first come to the church as the bright and morning star. That's, we, we look at that as the rapture of the church. That's when he's going to come as the bright and morning star. Later, he's going to come to earth as the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. It talks about this in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. That is the future thing that, that God has spoken of here. Both of these are messianic titles of Jesus and what he was coming to do. 
Now look at verse 17. This is our invitation that Christ gives us. He says, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And again, I believe this is God just saying, man, here's my invitation. I want people to come again. He starts off. He says, the spirit and the bride. The spirit and the bride say, come, there's, there's, there's a spirit of God, the bride of Christ, the church is saying, come, come to Jesus. And I, I want to say this to you guys, that we're the church. Our message to the world should be come, amen? Come to Jesus. Sometimes the church has messed up its message. I'm going to correct this for us real quick. Our message is not a political message, amen? amen? Our message is not a social message. Our message is a spiritual message. It's come to Jesus. There's a lot messed up in our world right now. We got racial tensions in our world. Amen. Are we going to fix that with anything but Jesus? No, there's no, there's not. That's a heart issue. And you can't attack. You can't you can't legislate heart issues. You can't make enough rules to fix heart issues. People that are lost need to get saved and God can change their heart. That's how that will really change. And so believing that it can happen any other way is false. And so we got to be careful that, you know, there's racial issues. There's there's political tensions in our world. There's all these things. If anybody's on social media, you're watching people fight every day, tooth and nail about stuff. Christians are at odds about stuff. If we can keep it plain, the, the church's message. What's my message to the world that don't know Christ? Hey, come, come, come to Jesus. Let me let me tell you good. Let me tell you what he did for you. Let me share with you what he what he did for you. My son and I, and I were in a, an Uber the other day. Try to get the conversation going with the guy about the gospel. And, and you know, he had some some wacky, you know, beliefs and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I love this. I let people talk. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. I, I'm not responding to none of the crazy stuff he said. He was like, you know what, man? Because he had all these theories and hypotheses. I heard all that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm listening. And then when he's done, it's like, let me hear. Here, here it is. Here, here's the truth. Let me let me before I get out of this Uber. We, I want you to get the truth. And, I, and we shared it with him. We laid it, laid it before him. Our message is come to Jesus. There is no other hope other than you come to God through Jesus Christ. And so our message is good news, even to bad people. If I walk up on somebody, somebody throw me a sin that is prevalent in our culture. Sexual sin. I walk up to a couple having sex. They just finished having sex. They're having sex on a regular basis. They're fornicating. Do I got to, is, is my first call to address the fornication? No, no, they don't know Jesus. When I didn't know Jesus, I was fornicating. That's what they supposed to do. They right? They don't belong to the Lord yet. My message is, I got good news for you guys. Maybe y'all didn't understand. Maybe there's some things that they didn't know yet. Maybe they didn't know there's an eternity. I'd like to ask you, hey, what do you think happens when you die? What do you think is going to take place? If, you, if, if God forbid you die, then what do you think happens? And then people start going, oh, I think, you know, we go to nothing. I think I'll probably go to heaven. Oh, yeah, why, why would you go to heaven? So you believe there is a heaven. Okay, why would you go to heaven? You know, and, and you'd be amazed that people have concocted why they should go. I'm not a murderer or a rapist or, you know, they, they throw the bar way down on the floor, whatever. And, and whatever the answer is, you get to respond with, hey, let me share the gospel. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says we all sin, fall short of the glory of God. You, me, same thing. It says the wage of sin is death. Because we have sinned, the, 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 the consequence for that sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But the good news, that God loves you. God loves me. God sent his son, Jesus, he came to earth, lived the life you and me could never live, died on the cross in our place, 
rose from the grave, conquered sin, death, and Satan, and offers to you and to me eternal life, and we'll put our faith in him. Turn from our sin, turn to him. He'll receive you. He promises everyone who comes to him, he will receive. He says in Romans 10, 13, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm saying it real fast, but y'all understand. He said, look, this is, this is what we can offer to the world. This is Now this is good news. I'm not judging you about your sex and your sin. I'm saying come to Jesus. Because I know when you come to him, now God will begin to work that out. Amen? If somebody had told me, in order to come to God, you got to never, no more sex and no more drinking. I would have never came. Right? You know how come I came to God? Because someone said, if you die like you are, you're going to go to hell. But God will forgive you for it all right now if you come to him. And I came and I got forgiven. But when I got forgiven, I also received the Holy Spirit. Amen? It was the Holy Spirit who began to work in my heart to say, you shouldn't be living with her. And you shouldn't be sleeping with her. And you shouldn't be drinking that. And you shouldn't be stealing that. And it was the Holy Spirit on the inside just changing. That's not that's the that's the difference between relationship and religion. A relationship with Christ says I start the relationship. He moves in and God begins to work in genuineness from the inside out. My life will change. You, you won't be the same. Religion is without anything happening on the inside. I want you to follow some new rules. You don't have the power to do it. You're going to fail miserably and I'll make you feel bad when you do. And but religion is just stacking on the outside. Now, stop that. OK, I'm going to try to stop. Anybody ever tried to stop sinning when you weren't saved? Failure every time. Every time I tried to stop drinking when I wasn't saved, however long I made it, I failed. And then after you fail, you're like, man, I, I, I realized I can't do it. And then I came to Christ and God moved in and God was like, watch this. The first time God spoke to me about drinking was the last. I didn't even get drunk that time. That was it. It got poured out and God delivered me from that. And I'm always careful in sharing that to give him the glory. I didn't deliver myself. God gave me victory over something I could never get a victory over. And so the invitation, y'all, is to come. That's what the church is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the message we're saying. Just come, come to him. You need him and he's available to you. The spirit and the bride say, come. Then it says, let him who hears say, come. How do you know if you need to come? Have you heard the message and you haven't received him yet? You need to come. Are you thirsty for God and eternal life? Then you need to come. He's available to you. Let him who thirsts, it says, come. Whoever desires, do you desire? You want to be right with God? You want a relationship with God? God will say, whoever you, if you have a desire for God, if you're thirsty for the Lord, if you want eternal life, if you've heard the message, you come. The, the doors are open for everybody. Anybody who will come, they can come to the Lord. I want you to know this. This, ur- this invitation is urgent, right? Because it's urgent for this reason. That the time is coming where you won't be able to come. Right now, everybody listening to the sound of my voice can come. But there will be a day where you cannot come. And so you need to respond when you hear the Lord speaking to your heart. And before we're done today, we're going to give an opportunity for people to come. And if that's your need, if you need to receive the Lord today, we invite you to come to Jesus today. Now, in verse 18 and 19, there's a warning. Look at it with me. It says, for I testify to everyone who hears The words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away from God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. That's clear enough. Amen. Amen. God says, look, if you if you add to this book, 
I'm going to add that we, for y'all that went through, we read the plagues, eight, verses 18, verses 6 through 19. There's some serious plagues. God said, you add to my book. I will add to you the plagues that are written in the book. We're speaking specifically of the book of Revelation. I don't think you should add to any part of the Bible. But I want to say this, because the book of Revelation, people act like this is a scary book. Some pastors are like, oh, I don't want to touch Revelation. It's kind of hard to understand. It's scared. Was it hard to understand, you guys? No, it's not hard to understand. God is saying, I'll bless you if you read it here and obey it. And you got pastors saying, well, it's, you know, it's kind of it's a tricky book. You know, it's hard. to." No, it's not. Just don't add to it. Just take it for what it is. There are people that decide at that, you know, Revelation, they're like, they just, they, they make, they spiritualize the entire book. And so that's an error, right? That's adding to the book. You're adding something to it that it didn't tell you. We don't add to this book. We take it for what it is. Don't add to it. If you do, God will add to you the plagues that are written in this book. So we want to take it seriously. And then God says, don't take anything away from it. Or God will take away your part from the book of life. Now, I know people today, um, pastors and churches that are wanting to take away the idea of hell. There are people that are saying, well, you know, hell, it, it might be just kind of a uh, more of a theory than a real thing. But we, we did y'all see hell? Did we see the lake of fire? Did we see people go there? People? Yeah, it's a real thing. I can't take that away in order to soften up the, the message for people. That's that's not that's not my place. This is I just got to give the message. It's not my message. It's God's message. Amen. And so I, I, I feel like men that do that are pastors. That's unfaithful to the word. I'm not going to take away hell. Hell is a real thing. It's a place to avoid. It's in the book. And so we don't want to take away. And, and, and that's a stern warning. God said, you take away from this book. I'll take away your part from the book of life. If your name is not in the book of life, where you go when you die? That's a big deal. You know, so we don't want to add to it. We don't want to take away from it. We want to honor it. We want to believe it as it is. Amen. Last two verses. 20 and 21, it says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And we, we, uh, we, we often say the, the words, you know, Maranatha, come quickly or come, Lord Jesus. He who testifies, Jesus is testifying these things, says, surely I am coming quickly again. It's the idea is it's coming suddenly. We could be looking for his return. It's imminent. It can happen at any point in time. And we're to be looking for, waiting on the Lord to come at any time. And even the attitude where it says, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. May that be the attitude of our hearts. May we not be those that are like, no, 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 don't come back right now. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still trying to have a little fun. I'm still trying to do a couple things. We want to live in such a way where we say, Lord, come now. Lord, come today. Lord, we're, we're ready. We're excited. We're looking forward. We can't wait to meet you. Y'all know the best that I mean, that's going to be the best thing that ever happens to us is that we meet the Lord one day. Y'all know that and anything that happens in this life is going to just significantly pale in comparison to the fact that one day we're going to be with him. Sins forgiven. Eyes wide open. We're going to know as we're known. Full of peace, joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. No sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no death, no sin. I mean, that's going to be the, the beginning of the best era of all eternity that we're going to be with him one day. And so. It's not something we should be afraid of. We shouldn't be like, no, hold off, hold off. Believers, the attitude of the heart of the believer should be, yes, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We're looking forward to it. Can't wait. Can't wait to enter into that, that season of eternity. Then verse 21, the close of this great book, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I'll leave with that word, the grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And as we close this great book, <laughs> as we close this great book, I just want to encourage you guys, as we have learned of Jesus, a lot of has been revealed to us about Jesus. We want to now walk in that, that we want to walk in all that we have learned, all that we have been shown about who Jesus is. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.